Happy fall, everyone. This is Ricardo, and here's what you can listen to in the Popping Collars feed in September 2021 while sipping on your favorite pumpkin-flavored beverage. Popping Collars goes back to school this month with an episode devoted to the trials and tribulations of teenage life in pop culture. Everybody's favorite part conversation, part competition show is back this month as we create our favorite canon from the works of Whoopi Goldberg. Betsy and Greg talk about the movie Postcards from the Edge on this month's Going on 30. Join them for a hilarious and heartwarming conversation about Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Finally, special guest Stephen McHale breaks down the best tracks on the classic Beatles album, Revolver. Thanks for listening and keep those collars popped. I'm Greg. And this is Betsy. And this is Going On 30, a Popping Collars side project where we're still here. I don't know if I can (laughs) sing that song. Where's your red dress, Greg? Come on. Bang that piano top. With movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago this month. We're looking at postcards from the edge. Help. Help me. Just came by to say hi, make sure that everything's up to snuff. And we're going to need a drug screen. Excuse me? It's a formality in the business. So do you want blood or urine? I think urine would be fine. And uh, we'll see you outside, okay? Have fun. Thanks. Hello, dear. Hi, Mama. No, you see, she's exactly like me when I was her age. What I'm doing, I, I feel like I belong after film. I, I never stopped working. I know how to do that. It was very, very good therapy for me after my divorce and my miscarriages. Good times and bum times, I've seen them all in my dear. Ever since I was about seven, I wanted to be you. Bart does you in his drag show. I am still here. How would you like to have Joan Crawford for a mother? Oh, or please. Lana Turner? These are the options. I think are you sure I didn't sleep with you? Sleep? Yeah. I was with him Saturday night. That's two girls in one day. Yeah. Yeah, that's just the ones we know about. You said you loved me. I admit it at the time. Well, what is it? A viral love? Kind of a 24-hour thing? Never let him see you ache. That's what Mr. Mayor used to say. What was it, ass? Never let him see your ass. You know, you were a lot more fun when you were loaded. No! 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 Relax. They're blank. I don't get your generation's humor half the time. Remember my 17th birthday party when you lifted your skirt up in front of all those I people? I did not including lift my, my guy Michael. It's world up! And you weren't wearing any underwear. Well... Meryl Streep, Shirley MacLaine, in a Mike Nichols film. Oh, Lowell, I'm sorry. Postcards from the Edge. Oh, me, Betsy, I have a 
not so brief description <laughs> of this movie. Why is it not so brief? What happened? I don't know. These things vary from time this to is, time. This, is, this would be a hard. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I could. Okay, let's see what you got. I get the descriptions from a website called Letterboxd, which is a yes. really good sort of site for like film enthusiasts. And typically they keep their descriptions brief, but this one, not so brief. Not so brief. Okay. Substance addicted Hollywood actress Suzanne Vale is on the skids. After a spell at a detox center, her film company insists as the condition of continuing to employ her that she live with her mother, herself once a star and now a champion drinker. Such a setup is bad news for Suzanne, who has struggled for years to get out of her mother's shadow and who still treats her like a child. Despite these and other problems, Suzanne begins to see the funny side of her situation and also realizes not only do daughters have mothers, mothers do too. Oh, I'm sorry. I fell asleep during that synopsis. It was so long. Okay. In in conclusion. In conclusion. And you use the word rehab when clearly in this film it is a drug clinic. Oh. Throughout the film. I thought that was so weird. Drug there clinic. You go. There you go. Uh, Betsy, what is your history? I did not see this in the theater. I believe this again was a TNT, TBS, AMC, some sort of finding it home. This might have been my first exposure to Streep, potentially. When I rewatched it, it didn't feel like I'm watching a Meryl Streep movie. Like that wasn't what it felt like. I felt like I was watching something. I was having kind of a watch memory of some kind. And I love myself some Shirley MacLaine. I would have been a big Steel Magnolias fan leading into this, which was the year before. What about you? I have no history with this movie. The first time I saw this movie was a week ago for this here (laughs) project. (laughs) Yes. So uh, not only do I not have a history with the movie, I have uh, like I have no uh, frame of reference for this movie. Like this movie just doesn't exist in my world. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I think, too, like it's the coming back to it later after appreciating the books and writings of Carrie Fisher Mm -hmm. to kind of come back to this story and script again. Is this a comedy? Is it a drama? It's both. You know, there's. Yeah. So Carrie Fisher herself living life as a dramedy, it's her personality as a writer and and coming back and appreciating this when it came out, even though it had some heavy saxophone, which definitely tells you what time period it's from. It almost feels like it could be told in another time. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be where it is, despite the presence of hair and saxophone. There was a lot of hair in this. There's a lot of mullets in this. It was just (laughs) a lot. Men, women, everyone. It was, a, it was lot. a lot. Dennis a Quaid. Lot. Dennis Quaid is Dennis a Quaid. A lot of no shirt. He's a lot in this movie. <laughs> um, let's get into let's get into the hot takes about this movie. What are your hot takes? On this movie? It was realizing how what was real was up for grabs. They do such a nice job with the opener. You know, and you're watching. You're like, is this a movie? Is it not a movie? What's happening? And then you slowly realize that it's a movie, and you realize that that's really true. Throughout her her life, Suzanne's upbringing, like what's real, who's being real, who's doing something. You know, is my mom actually talking to me or is she playing a character? You mm-hmm. know, when you're in a room full of people, is this for me or for someone else? That ability for her mother to turn everything back around to be something about her. Right. I think as a mom, that's my deep fear that I do that. It's that element of then how am I going to ground myself in a world that feels so 
unreal. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to look for that in relationships. And so she wants authenticity. She doesn't want to rush into things now. You know, she's trying to make better choices. I'm going to ground myself in maybe the use of substances and things like that to try to stabilize my mood and figure out what's going on while detaching from what's going on. I think for me, it's that it's the mother daughter relationship. And it's this idea of what's real. If you've grown up in Hollywood. Oh my gosh. That's gotta be, yeah, that's gotta be so hard. Like I think, I think to myself, is Drew Barrymore the way that she is because that's who she is or because that's how she grew up. Like mm-hmm. everything just feels a little much, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes like performative, I guess, like yes. life feels performative. I don't yes. know. You know, Carrie Fisher, when we look at this, but she seems like in her private life, she seems just like such a total, like sarcastic, you know, fun hang, like the, mm-hmm. the person who, who's been to the puppet show and has seen the strings and she's mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah. She's the writer of this. Yeah. She's writing about a mother daughter relationship, both in entertainment. She steals from her own life. Right. This is not an, this is not an autobiography. And she's she very much uh, in all the press that you read around this movie is having to say, this is not me. Right. This is not my mom. There are elements of our relationship and elements and stories from my own addiction from. Yeah, I can imagine a party and everyone's like, oh, Debbie, sing, 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 you know, and Debbie Riddles, you know, doing one of her numbers. Well, that's that was actually one of my questions is, is it is it more of a peek into Carrie Fisher or Debbie Reynolds? Especially the way that the movie unfolds. And I should say, one of my hot takes is, this is the Mike Nichols movie that I was hoping Working Girl would be. You know, Mm -hmm. something that is fun, but still has a lot of substance for actors to chew on. Mm -hmm. And, oh my gosh. I mean, speaking of actors, like this cast, man. Holy it's, yeah. Cow. <laughs> this is one of the things I love about this project that we're doing is seeing just people pop up. Oh my gosh. And you know, there's I Oliver mean, Platt. He's got five lines. See you later. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the Gene Hackman thing, I was like mm-hmm. kind of prepared for the Richard Dreyfus thing. I was not prepared for at all. And it was like, oh my gosh, Richard Dreyfus is in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Anyway, Annette Benning, exactly. You know, and that question about the peak behind things, right? I think it is also a peak behind Hollywood because you're looking at two careers that have spanned, you know, from the the infancy of the Hollywood system and the studio system, and her the stories her mom tells about Zanuck and Mayer, and you know, and they took that song from that Broadway song, "I'm Still Here." That's from Follies. They rewrote some of the lyrics mm-hmm. for for the movie so that it was contextual to her experience. And then you put you put Meryl Streep's character, Suzanne, walking around on these Hollywood sets and well, we're going to drug test you and how small the trailers are. And it's all this behind the scenes. There's the craft services. And you know, and she's there as a cop having a conversation with Annette Benning, who's playing a sex worker, and they're both in costume. And it's just, and she sidles up to her like she's an officer. Right. It's just the way they play with what's behind the scenes, what's acting, what's real. What's real. And I did not culminating with an before. yeah, culminating with an ADR scene that is one of the most revealing things. As you're covering up the yes. film version of that, you know, it's, it's, oh my gosh. 
Oh, excuse me. Uh, Suzanne, this is our editor, Phil Hartley, and our Hi, sound you? editor, Elliot nice Morris. Nice Hi, Gil. Shall we begin? Yeah. Could I have some Coke? Coca-Cola, please. Phil, could you get Suzanne a Coke, please? Yeah, sure. You're much better in the film than you deserve to be. <laughs> Good. I mean, thank you. I'm sorry I was such a nightmare. Well, you seem better now. Really? No, I don't. Yeah, better because you're sober and... Uh, worse because I'm sober. Yes, but worse in a good way. <laughs> Here you go. Thank you. Because we have more spirit and more resources than you. All it will cost us is money. There is enough mommy in the world to further a cause like yours. That's as good as it got all day. I never got a full take after that. I know, I'm sorry. Well, don't be sorry, just fix it. I mean, this yeah. is what this is what I'm saying. This is the Mike Nichols that I was hoping to get. Yes, like and a Mike Nichols Streep. that pays attention to the details. He and Streep, you know, they are a dynamic duo. Yeah, you know, looked up stuff on them. You know, he she said he just created a world that you wanted to go to every day. Yeah, yeah, and I love also, you know, when she sings, "I'm still here." You know, what is it that Suzanne sings before that? Is you don't know. Me. You don't know me. <laughs> It's just just so good. It's so good. Yes. But like tone deaf to one another, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Suzanne actually hasn't had gotten to have any of her own problems. And we still don't even really hear, but there's a reference to Suzanne's adolescence, but it's never really explored in any way. Speaking of, um, you know, being on the set of, you know, the movie that she's filming and stuff like that. Betsy. I've got a top five. Oh, oh, out of nowhere. Okay. I was trying to sneak it in. <laughs> okay, well, what is it? I've got top five movies about making movies. Okay, all right. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, honorable mentions? I do have an honorable mention because it's a terrible movie. Oh. <laughs> that's oh. the only reason. Because it's, it's a movie about movies that's bad. Well, but it's also not about making a movie anyway. It's Wes okay. Craven's new nightmare, which is like You're, a I'm gonna meta. have to take your word on that one. I'm gonna have to take your word. Cause uh don't a, know. It's a meta commentary on horror movies. It's kind of like his prototype script for Scream, where everything that he was writing as himself, Wes Craven, was actually coming true in the life of the character who plays his lead role anyway Wes Craven's new nightmare kind of a movie about movies yeah okay okay well great all right let's move on number five (laughs) number five hail Caesar from the Coen brothers oh that's a good one like that I I, I like that movie the more I watch it the more the more layers like onions it seems like are, are revealed okay number four number four uh different kind of movie making boogie nights Oh, movies about making movies, movies about making some porno movies. Okay, number three, number three, we go from Mike Nichols to Robert Altman's The Player. The Player, that's a good one. Such a a great movie. Nice, nice. All right, number two, number two, uh, I would get kicked off of the podcast if I didn't mention it by Ricardo. Eight and a half, eight and a half. Great movie about making movies. Yes, that's good. That's good. All right, number one. 
Okay, number one, in honor of the movie that we're talking about today, the number one movie about making movies is Singing in the Rain. No. Debbie nice. Reynolds. Absolutely. Nice. What's your best scene from Postcards from the Edge? As much as I could watch Shirley MacLaine sing that song, mm-hmm. I really love the staircase scene. And she just really says, you know, I can't possibly compete with you because what if one of us won? Right. And it's and it's Shirley MacLaine's case, Doris, you know, talking about her own drinking and all of that. And and Suzanne has, I believe at that point, she's taken the pill out of the out of the cabinets in her pocket. And and she's supposed to go do that looping. Mm-hmm. And you feel like it's all kind of falling apart. And it's another one of those moments that's leading into a moment of kind of falling apart so it can actually come together. That's a great yeah. one. And yeah, and and it's it's that unraveling so that when they do get into the hospital scene later on, real healing can start to happen there. But you have to do the unraveling first. Yeah, yeah. totally. What about you? Um, I've got three. You <laughs> didn't have three. <laughs> okay. I had to pick. One of one of them was the you don't know me. So we've already talked about that. So I'll leave it alone. But come on, the Nancy Reagan dream sequence. That was so freaky. Oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> it's so good. All the pictures on the wall. That scene's so good. Um, but probably my best scene is the meeting with Marty. Your Uncle Marty here talked to the insurance company early this morning and they said they cover you if you would stay with what they call a responsible party for the run of the film. A responsible? So what am I supposed to do? Go to a halfway house for wayward SAG members or something? Honey, if, if you calm down a little bit, you see, it's not that bad. What they said was they'd cover you if you stayed with one or both your parents. What can I tell you? I told him your father lives in New York, so what about Doris here? Excuse me? Well, she couldn't stay with her father anyway. He's worse than she is. Not that you're bad, dear. Stay with my mother? What am I, a teenager? I lived with my mother and father until I was 23 years old. We all shared the same bathroom. Doris, Doris, please. Thank you. Susie, maybe it would be better to wait a couple of months to go back to work. You know, go to your AA meetings, and when you're but feeling better, what can I tell you? I do this film. I can go to meetings and work. I do better when I work. No, you anyway. see, she's exactly like me when I was her age. What I'm doing, I, I feel like I belong after film. I, I never necessary. stopped working. I know how and to do that. it was very, very good therapy for me after my divorce and my miscarriages. Of course, in those days, the material was a lot better. Doris, so baby, you got it right. These are the conditions for doing this film. For the run of the film, you stay with your mother. Great. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll stay with her. Stay you. With, you know what they Great. say? Great. Fine. No okay. pain, no gain. Well, no wonder I'm so hefty. Hefty? Dear, if anything, you are too thin. Now me, my stomach, mother, that's hefty. I was kidding. I don't get your generation's humor half the time. <sighs> I don't have a generation. Then I think you should get one. And the reason why this scene stands out to me is just the exchange between Meryl Streep and Shirley MacLaine. If you are an actor, if you are a burgeoning young actor who wants to make it in Hollywood, just watch that scene on a loop over and over again. And then just do that (laughs) whenever you audition for parts. (laughs) This is just so good. They're just so good. It's amazing. Yeah, I think another, you mentioned the scene briefly 
that I would, if I was, you know, cheating like you and naming multiple scenes, I would go with the, the hospital scene with, yeah. with Shirley MacLaine in the hospital after running her car into a tree and just the making, doing her makeup. Like there's mm-hmm. this vulnerability to her, but still the facade is there. Yeah. You know, how are my eyebrows? How they, ever since the studio shaved them off, they never grew back. And, and just the way the, the talking to one another and just trying to get her ready to walk out of that hospital. Mm-hmm. And you would think, Oh, well, it's all about facade and covering up and all that stuff. But they were actually more real with each other in that moment. Exactly. Than they have been the whole rest of the film. And I mean, that's, again, it gets back to the filmmaking itself. Like it's, it's giving you two opposed images happening at the same time, but it like, in the parts where real revelation is happening real vulnerability is happening. One of the characters is getting false eyelashes. Yes. You know, it's like, it's that, that tension. That's, that is a choice I think by the filmmaker. And it's just a really good choice. Uh, Who is your best performance from the movie? I'm assuming you're going with one of the big two. It's hard to pick between them. Yeah. Just, I know you kind of want to take them as a combo. You keep, because they keep completing each other. Yeah. And it's this element of that, even though there's so much emotion and resentment, but there's also so much love. So Meryl McLean is your choice. Meryl McLean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just, there's, there's an element to you, as you said before, that, that this is one of those moments where Meryl Streep is just playing a real, feels like she's in a real person. Yeah, and just the narcissism of Shirley MacLaine. This role is so great. I went Hackman I for this. Yeah, I knew it because I'm in the bag, and we all know this. And when we get to Unforgiven, you're going to see Hackman's name come up again. Um, it's just like I'm in the bag for this guy, but no, it's actually because I feel like he's got two scenes. Really, I mean, that's pretty much all he has the opening scene and then the ADR scene. The trivia that I have for Hackman in this role is that he modeled his character after Richard Donner. Interesting. He he points out the kind of the the human way that Donner directs that it's not about like it's not about the art, it's about how can I form relationships with my actors to get the art that we want to create together. Let's see. I've got some stats about this movie. Stats, 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 stats. Postcards from the Edge opened on September 12th, 1990. Does that count as a summer movie? September 12th? That's after Labor Day. So that's I guess after I'm... Labor Day. No, there's yeah. no white jeans, and that's, this is not a summer movie. <laughs> not a summer movie. Uh, it had a domestic gross of $38 million, making it the number 33 grossing movie of 1990. Okay. So for an adult contemporary film, you know, middle of the road. Uh, It is the number 2,274th top grossing movie of all time between. Oh, no. uh, Postcards from the Edge comes between a movie called Dead Again. Oh. That's the Kenneth Branagh movie. Oh, with Emma Thompson. Yeah. And, and let's see. Yeah. Andy Garcia. Mm hmm. Okay. And Robin Williams, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. So it comes between Dead Again and Showtime. 
which is an, an Eddie Murphy, Robert De Niro movie from 2002, a buddy cop movie from 2002. <laughs> this was the tough times of Eddie Murphy's career, this 2000s period. Uh, so Flirt, Mary Kill, you get Dead Again, Postcards from the Edge, and Showtime. Okay, again, Dead Again is a woman who has lost her memory is taken in by a Los Angeles orphanage and a private eye is enlisted to track down her identity. But he soon finds that he might have a past life connection to her that endangers their lives. Past life? Like Shirley MacLaine. Like Shirley MacLaine. It's all connected. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to kill Showtime. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I will flirt with Dead Again and I'll marry Postcards with you. Uh, ding, ding, ding. It's the only correct answer. It's the answer that I have as well. Uh, Postcards has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Good score. Oh, okay. Uh, Roger Ebert says, Postcards from the Edge contains too much good writing and too many good performances to be a failure, but its heart is not in the right place. Three out of four stars. Damn. What's that shade? What does that mean? It's hard. It's not in the right place. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe Roger. I have no like idea what Roger's it, getting. It took him too much behind the scenes in movies, and he likes to. He likes the fantasy. He doesn't yeah, he want does. to know all the nitty gritty. Uh, Janet Maslin, film and literary critic at the New York Times, says, "As funny and well observed as the film's mo- mother daughter dynamics are." It's baleful view of Hollywood behavior is even better. That's better. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Uh, how did it do at the Oscars? It did not win a single Oscar. No wins for postcards, but it was nominated for two. Betsy, what was Postcards from the Edge nominated for? Streep? Yes. Meryl okay. Streep for Best Actress. Yes. Best okay. Actress. Screenplay? Not screenplay. No. Huh. No, you're going to want to think the end credits here for this last no song. It is. Best original song. I'm checking out this heartbreak hotel. I ain't going to live on lonely street no more, no more. Written by Shel Silverstein. I'm checking out. Yeah, I'm checking out is a Shel Silverstein. So if you want to dig out where the sidewalk ends as you're listening to I'm checking out. A quasi country rootin' tootin' bar situation. Which she was giving me some Melissa Etheridge vibes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the jean yeah. jacket. The jean jacket's what gives you the Melissa Etheridge vibes. I think it is. But yeah. I think also there's some vocal quality there. I guess so. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, cool. Would Bonnie Raitt have been yes. popular at this point? Yes, Maybe a little would. Bonnie Raitt. Maybe a little Bonnie Raitt. Yeah. Um, oh, who has Dennis Quaid in one of her videos? Boom! Are you ready for a thing <laughs> called love? It's all connected. It's all connected. What if you had been out taking drugs or something? I'm supposed to be taking care of you, Nod. You're my responsibility. You're my daughter. What was I supposed to think when you didn't come home? Mm-hmm. 
you mind if I have a drink? Do you mind if I drop acid? <laughs> Dear, I drink socially. I took acid socially. <laughs> no, I hardly think that my drinking can be compared with your drug taking. <laughs> Even if it could be. I think that your involvement with drugs has vindicated me. I hardly think you're in a position to judge me. Mom. Let's talk about the legacy of this movie. Betsy, I wrote, and we've touched on this already, self-sabotage and the creative world. So, you know, Carrie Fisher comes from a, a Hollywood family. We've seen lots of actors and actresses who grow up in the world of Hollywood who tend to struggle with addiction or just, you know, kind of uh, get themselves into a rebellious state that leads to sort of self-harm. Having watched this movie, do you find it hard to empathize with someone who grows up in this world? No, I mean, all the comments about, oh, she's, she's spoiled and you should have done this and that and no, no, no. Everybody is trying to do their best. And if they can't see past themselves, you know, that's that's going to be, you know, I'm the person who's always like, you know, well, let's empathize with Thanos. And why does he think to have the great idea? You know, but it's like it all comes from somewhere. I mean, that's always my empathy gym workout. Yeah. Right. It all comes from somewhere. So this is her particular struggle. But at the same time, I also not like I'm not stepping into like larger issues of of drugs and how people of color would be treated differently than Suzanne mm-hmm. Vale would be treated. And, you know, da, 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 you know, would she have ended up in jail versus going to a drug clinic? Right. You know? I mean, there's just a little bit of, I don't know. It's either jealousy or resentment. I think about f- folks who grow up in what we would think of as kind of well-to-do situations. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't need to hear about your problems if you're making six figures a year, you know? And that's why I think stories like this are a tough sell, like out of the box. Oh, there's some of this Hollywood glamour that's also a part of this kind of, there's a tell-all bit to some of this. Yeah. That I don't know whether it's, is it, is it, am I watching this with sympathy or am I watching it with some rubbernecking? Mm-hmm. You know, I've watched the A&E biography of Elizabeth Taylor. I know mm. way too much about Debbie Reynolds's failed relationships and Eddie Fisher left her or how she's had a husband who took money from her. Like, I, I know like way too much about all of this. Yeah. And I think this reminded me again, you know, when you were talking about Carrie Fisher being a good hang that I'm like, Oh, I miss, I miss these ladies. In yeah, there. totally. You know, and in the reconciling place that they have come to, not that this is a biography, mm-hmm. but that that they've come, they came to in their own relationship as a mother and a daughter. Do you, do you think there is a link between like a creative person and this tendency towards like self harm or self sabotage as far as like career or addiction or something? Well, like and that? I think the other thing that Carrie Fisher couldn't go into here because I don't know whether we were ready for that, nor had she been diagnosed yet with the mental illness that she was struggling with, that that was that we kind of weren't at a place where we were ready to have that discussion. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I think that aspect of it is interesting. And that 
in the end that we're in the late, you know, we're in the early nineties mm-hmm. and we're looking back at two decades where of course you just did drugs and you did that stuff. Cause you were successful. Right. Cause that's what people did. And, and you looked at that wall of black and white pictures of, mm-hmm. of people who have Lenny Bruce and Elvis. And- yes. Yeah, self-sabotage. And it's because they're also surrounded by people that are doing it. Like it was interesting in the opening scene when Hackman throws that woman off the set for, for a second, I thought that woman was like her stunt double because they were dressed almost exactly the same, but he's like, you know, that you've been giving your drugs and just get the hell off my set. And, and that you're then surrounded by all these yes people who are going to want to make your world better and easier and supply you with drugs because you're successful. It's not that it's being done unto you. I shouldn't say that. that. It's like, Oh, Hey, you're successful. Here's your starter kit to addiction. But that you start by doing it because that's what successful people do. And then it just, con- then it continues. As it- yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there, clearly there's a cultural aspect to this. There's also like a work aspect, especially for actors. It's like, I got to get up. Okay. Now I've got to come back down. And right. there's, a, there's, you know, how can I do that without manipulating my body through drugs? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that the word that she screws up in the loop is mommy, money, and, right. and money and mommy. Yeah. And and yeah. that that's ironic. What's yeah. the root of her problem? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I've heard Dave Grohl talk about Kurt Cobain before. And, you know, not that Kurt grew up in a family of, you know, celebrities or whatever. But, like, you know, he was talking about uh, Kurt's suicide. And he was like, you know he just put so much of himself and his feelings and his emotion into his song. It affected the way that he saw the world. Like every it's like turning a hose on full blast and he just couldn't control it. He couldn't get it back to just a trickle. It was just like, you know, it was all of it. It was all of the emotion, all of the feeling just coming out until it was too much to bear. And it, it's what makes the songs great. And it's also what leads to his self-harm. You know, how do you balance those things? How do you be the, because they talk about that in this movie, right? Suzanne's not as good of an actress if she's not on the edge. So how do you yeah. balance being good at what you're doing and having all of those feelings and all of that on the edgeness, but you need to live a healthy life anyway who is this movie for betsy boomers with parent issues aging mm. parents <laughs> no i think Wasn't it's about people... an answer don't we have that as an answer i think we did i think it's people coming out of we're emerging into a, the we're at the end of a decade we're at the end of the 80s it feels like it's people at the end of the 80s yeah and they're and they're in you know, I love that scene where Shirley MacLaine is like, you know, you know, because Meryl Streep refers to herself as being in midlife. And Shirley MacLaine's like, I'm in mid- midlife. And she's like, I don't know any 120 year old people. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that, that midlife moment, I think right. there's, there's some of that happening here. And what if, what's happening when your original dream isn't working out the way you thought it would in your, tied to a cactus with snakes oh attacking gosh. you so it's you know because she's this is not the highest quality film she is taking it so she can keep working and show that she is somebody that you should bet on 
Yeah. What, what do you do when the original plan is not working out and you're actually in your own way at the same time? I ha- I wrote down that this movie is for film fans, people that like movies and like, you know, watching the sort of behind the scenes of movie making, the e-true Hollywood story of movie yes. making. With that, with that dash of knowing where the screenplay is from and all of that. I will say as someone who has no history with this movie up until a week ago, like it was surprisingly poignant to me mm-hmm. uh, with the passing of uh, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, the scenes that stuck with me this time, like the looping scene that yeah. I didn't really have a strong memory of before mm-hmm. and was a little more into the glitz and the glamour and the movie scene and hanging off the side of the building and all of that stuff. Then I was into that moment of total vulnerability and just seeing your mistake giant mm-hmm. on a screen in front of you and you're trying to fix it. Um, right. And and that's the line from Hackman, right? He's yeah. like, you know, I don't care. Just fix. Yeah. You it's know? it. And I think being in midlife <laughs> could hit me in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. What is your rating for this movie out of five? 4.5. Hey. 4.5. That makes it your number one movie it's of 1990. My number one well, this was this was one of the ones I got to pick, right? It is. So, yes. yes. This is we've been on a run of mine. Yeah. So, we'll yes. talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Um I gave it a 4. Yeah. So we're in the same ballpark, which nice. I I'm starting to realize that I gave like everything a 4 at this point. So <laughs> Yes, well, that's why I, that's some of why I'm like, I got to bust out of this. 1990 was full of very good movies, I guess, in my mind. Um, uh, I gave it a four. I said it's a really good movie, a much better offering from Mike Nichols than the last one that we watched, which Working Girl is still good. I just, I like this a lot better. And the cast is just superb in this. Just great. Great. And those silver teardrop earrings that Meryl Streep is wearing towards the end of the film. I had a pair of sterling silver ones. Like, oh, they look no. just like it. I was like one of those, like, I know those, those might even be my jewelry box right now. <laughs> Cause I saved some of that, some of that jewelry. Nice. You never know. Nice. It all comes back popular again. Betsy, yes. one last question. Yes. Why did you nominate this? So you nominated last month's movie, Misery, and Mm -hmm. this month's movie, Postcards from the Edge. Why Postcards? I think because it felt like when I watched it the first time that I, you know, you talk about the adult movies in your house. This felt like a a, a movie for adults that I understood. And I also really loved movies when I was a kid. And the behind the scenes aspect of this really got me on that end. And then I, so I was just, I was frankly really interested to revisit, it, especially now that I'm a mother to a daughter as well, uh, hoping that I'm not making everything about me and screwing it up too, that, that that element of the movie was appealing to me. And also the the aspect of, of loving Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds and, and missing, even if it's just an essence of who they are yeah. in this performance. I, 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 that, for all those reasons. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that this movie is definitely worthy of being nominated for best picture. And again, just like we said with misery last week, you could easily kick ghost off of the list and put this movie on every time. 
you could Every easily kick off that. the Godfather Part Three and put this movie on. Yep. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I loved it as a first timer. I was convinced. So, Yay! That's job. awesome. Good pick. Yay! Uh, Betsy, we only have two movies. I can't believe left. it. I think it's it's deceptive because the movies of 1990 are very heavily skewed towards the towards the first half of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel like we're as far along as we are because we're only in the P's, but we only have two movies left. Wow. Here yeah, we go. Okay, so what's so what's next? So next up is a movie that we picked as a joint pick um, because of the footprint I think this movie leaves behind. It is Pretty Woman, Gary Marshall's Pretty entry. Pretty Woman. Into 1990. We saw Penny Marshall. Now we get to see Gary Marshall's take on yes. 1990 with Pretty Woman. Yes. So that will be our next movie. Uh, we will see you for Pretty Woman next month. Bye. Chicken.